from Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Balash. What's up, Mike? <laughs> yeah. How are you? I'm good. I have a, a bit of a sore throat. Uh, that probably makes my voice even sexier, if that's possible. I was going to um, say, you've got, you sound like Barry White. <laughs> I, can't get I enough that, of, can't get enough of your love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just. I went from from winter coat to like uh, jackets way too fast because it was like 15, 17 degrees right last week and the week before, and I was like t-shirt and jacket, and now it's like raining and back to like uh, zero Celsius or plus couple to one two. So I got a bit of a sore throat, but otherwise I'm okay. What's up with you guys? Eh, not too much. I mean, it's um, well. You know, same, same, I feel like for the last several podcasts, still, still waiting here, although things are slowly loosening up. You can go to the gym with an appointment. Um, (laughs) and, um, yeah, I think in general, just go shopping too. Yeah, I guess so. And depending on where you live, right? Like with your, um, yeah. Yeah. Which Bundesland you live. Yeah. Yeah. But No, it's, it's, um, it feels like the world is starting to wake up a bit. I mean, I know I read about my home country and they're on a totally different level, um, with, um, Germany in terms of vaccinations and stuff like that. So they're quite aggressive. Um, so hopefully, you know, with, with some countries getting ahead, then it'll be good. You know, it's interesting to me because um, I look at the numbers, I wouldn't say daily, but from time to time, you know, uh, was this the RKI or whatever it's called, and it was below 50, so it was orange, um, and everything was still in lockdown. And then the numbers went up, but now they gradually started to open shops. So I don't know what's going on, but I mean, as long as they know, that's all I care about. Yeah, well, heading in the right direction. Let's hope. So yeah, we we had a we had an episode <clears throat> several several episodes ago talking about our favorite vintage chronographs, which are some of our favorite types of watches. And you know, the other one that I think both of us really enjoy are our vintage dive watches for for a number of reasons. Um, there are just so many different watches to choose from. You really get to see how especially in the 1960s, how all these different brands were trying to come up with some sort of novel way to help a diver. And um, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty fascinating, fascinating area to look into. Absolutely. I think dive watches in general, um, that's, can we say that's the, the most favorite type of watch in like in general, new or vintage? I think you so. You say that, can you? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I got, I think I want to say like the first watch I got was this Timex that was was one with like, um, 
you know, it had the hours and then the the minutes every five minutes like numbered out. So it was like meant to help you learn to tell time. And it had this mm-hmm. like little thing it looked like a um, waves on the front of it that said, you know, water resistant or something. And that was like the thing that, that most blew me away. Not, not the whole uh, <laughs> winding the watch or the or learning to tell time, but it was like, wow, I can actually put this in the water and it's not going right. to, not going to break, you know? So, yeah, I, I think as a kid, this is the, that's the cool, cool factor, uh, you know, of watch like, wow, now watch is like delicate and whatever, but you can swim with it and take it to the swimming pool and it's going to work. It's so awesome. You yeah. know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid some of one of my friends had this, I think it was a G-Shock. I, I can't remember which one it was, but it had this huge button that says illuminator, you know, at the bottom. And every time he pressed it, it was like this green, huge uh, green dial light up. It's like, wow, that's the most awesome thing ever. And he kept on, <laughs> you know, pressing the button, uh, the, the, that, that illuminator button until it just broke. Yeah. Um, but nobody cared about like lap time and, and split timing and none of that stuff. I would eight, nine, 10 years old. You don't care about that. But, um, and I think the same goes for divers. Like it's a cool watch. It's like indestructible. You can take it to the swimming pool. You can take it to the, the ocean. You don't have to take it off. Basically, if you're in the office, it's working. If you're driving a car, it's working. If you're jumping into the lake, it's working. I mean, I think that's the fascination a lot of people have. And it's kind of sporty, right? You can, okay, maybe you can't wear it with a suit, but you can wear it with like a shirt and, and some slacks and also with a t-shirt. Pretty versatile most of the time. I mean, Rolex Submariner. Yeah. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And it's funny, like neither of us are, are, are certified divers. Um, I grew up next to the water and, and certainly did my share of snorkeling and everything. And my dad dove quite a bit back in the day. Um, and, you know, we were around boats all the time. And I, you just, to me, a dive watch was just what, what you were used to seeing on people's wrist, even if they were mm. diving all the time or not. Right, right. Well, here's a question for you. Dove or dived? Well, dove. Because I keep, I, keep, I keep hearing both, and I actually never looked it up if it's dove or dived. But S- Saying that, um, you know, my, uh, my English has gone to, to pot, as they say, and, um, and um, maybe it is dived. So I'm going to have an accent. Here we go. Here we go. The words dived and dove are interchangeable as a past tense and past participle of the verb dive. However, both, here we go. However, both inflections are used in American and British English. However, dove is an Americanism and thus tends to be used, used more in American English. So, okay. Yeah. There we have it. It's kind of one of those service announcement. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's like, um, (laughs) You know, when, when you um, send someone to the uh, to, to to the noose, you know they're they're going to be executed. Uh, they were hanged, which is kind of like a funny sounding word, right? That's right. It's sort they of like uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's um, kind of one of these true. old English things that hangs around, I guess. But interesting. Yeah. yeah. So. so um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of excited about this episode, and we're not going to get into all sorts of crazy different inventions that came out in the '60s, like you know bezel meters and no deco things like that. We're going to really just talk about what our favorite divers are, and you know then we'll end it up with a few suggestions here as well um, that 
you know, maybe some of the ones we mention are um, are out of out of the price range or not easy to find. But there are some really cool vintage pieces that are out there, you know, very easily, and you know, you can really get a, a credible, let's say, historic diver that that kind of helped um, pave the way for loads of people in the '60s to get into the sport or whatever they were trying to do, snorkeling or anything like that. And, but we must. Before. Mm-hmm. And, and by the mm-hmm. way, I think uh, the gentleman's name is Lucas. So hopefully he's, he's, um, he's listening, but he corrected us, Balash, on our uh, German. And I should say our Dutch German, because I'm going to blame Robert John for this one on Hangelenk Controller. It's actually... Hengelenk's controller. Oh, okay. So we stand corrected. Sorry we, about that. We do, but you know what? Um, that's the kind of advice we're looking for here. And, you know, we're not too big uh, to admit our faults and we're going to correct it going forward. So this is the first ever Hengelenk's controller. So Balash, what do you have strapped to your wrist today? Yes. So I'm going to tease the next segment, which is news. Uh, News broke yesterday about uh, a very cool watch. Well, actually, two cool cool watches. And that put me on the mood to uh, wear one of my divers. Uh, Really, it had nothing to do with the podcast. Um, And that's my Doxa Sub 300 uh, Aqualong Black Long uh, re-edition which you also have because we bought it at the same time and you were kind enough to organize the pickup for me back in, oof, when was it, 2018? Something around that time, I guess. Um, which is a very cool piece. It's a, it's a re-edition of the, the, the original 1960s. Uh, if my memory serves, it came out in 1967, yeah, the original so. um, Sub 300. So it's a thin case with a dome crystal and the black, uh, orange dial, obviously, and the black Aqualung logo uh, at the 7, 8 o'clock position. Um, I love this watch. It's a very cool piece, very sturdy. Uh, I love it on the wrist. It feels great um, with the bracelet. I mean, the vintage bracelet is, I think, nicer than this one. But but with the watch um, on the wrist, it just looks amazing. And yeah, yeah I think when, when you see an orange dial on a watch especially on a dive watch i think it's for most of the people it has you know it has a, a connection to doxa and to me this is the the perfect modern doxa diver i should say so that's that's what i'm wearing um and i think you're wearing something similar so yeah yeah and you know just just before getting to that i mean your watch is fantastic and like you said i have it as well and i think those I think those 50th anniversary doxes, you know, with or without the, uh, the Aqualung symbol on them, because they, I think, made all three models with and without and various limited editions are just fantastic. I, um, I, they're, they're still very desirable out there. I mean, you just don't see them come up for sale. And that's despite the fact that they basically came out with the same darn watches, um, Last year at some point in all six colors, albeit with, uh, I guess, more modern font on the dial and a different crown. But um, these these anniversary pieces that are really very 
true to the originals with a couple exceptions are highly desirable for a reason. They're really nicely made. They're, um, they're very unique. I, I mean, they have such a small, um, dial, you know, compared to a lot of dive watches. Yeah. And I think that it's chronometer certified, the movement, which yeah. I forgot to mention. And, uh, I mean, ours, because it was, as you said, the limited edition came with this crazy, uh, dive knife or diver yeah. knife, um, which I still have it in the box. I have to admit, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too cool for that. But yeah, it was a great package, and as as you said, this is just a wonderful piece. And the new ones are also nice, and not all of them are my colors. I guess it's the same goes for you, but they're definitely definitely something to consider. And the price in Germany is below two thousand five hundred euros, which is come on, it's hard to beat, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, and and you're right. I mean, some of the colors are. Not my favorite, although I think they're fun and it, it, you know, I've gone back and forth, you know, I was a little bit ticked off when they came out with them because I thought it ruined the, the exclusivity of the ones that we bought. But on the other hand, I'm not surprised because it's such a, um, important watch in, in the company's history and it wears really well cause it's thin and it gives people a chance to, to get that on their wrist. So all in all, I've I've come around on it, and I think it's um, I think it's fine. And yeah, you're right. I'm I'm wearing something in the same vein today. I'm wearing my original uh, Doxa Sub 300 No T Sea Rambler, and nice. Yeah, and I've got this on a uh, Tropic, uh, kind of like the big hole strap. And I think you actually helped me get that, and it. Um, this watch has been through it. I mean, it's um, it's got a little reloom on the hands, and the uh, the case was brushed, not in a radial manner like it should be, but like in a in a sunburst manner, which um, is a little bit unfortunate. But I'm just going to leave it. I I made a comment on my Instagram today that for some reason, you know, military watches and Doxa subs get a little bit of a pass for me when it comes to sheer originality because these watches really were used as tools. I mean, they were sold at dive shops. They weren't sold at jewelry stores really. And I think, um, yeah, most of them were put to the test. So I, I look at it like a watch that's lived a life. And, uh, as I also said in that post, I would love to know, you know, where it's been and what it's done, but it, um, it really wears well and I'm, I'm happy to have it. So it's a fun Wonderful one. piece. It looks actually very cool with the with the brushed finish, I have to say. Yeah, it's funky. Uh, or a sunburst um, finish. It's it's interesting because I've never seen it like that. And and the the other thing that's interesting is like the the dial, I guess whatever surface it has has, you know, parts of sort of like delaminated and when you look at it at an angle, it looks like um if you've ever seen like a car from the fifties or sixties, like an old race car that's aluminum and just polished, it, it kind of looks mm-hmm. like that. Um, which is kind of neat. It, it's interesting. It's just a neat watch. Um, so yeah, so so we came we came dressed for the occasion today. So so why don't you lead us off, Balash? We're gonna each gonna we're gonna each name a few different uh, favorites here. Um, so so why don't you name us uh, with your first, which is not going to be much of a difference from the theme. Do you wanna you want me to talk about new news before? 
Oh, yeah. We should talk about mm. the news, shouldn't we? We should talk. Good well, we, we talked about Doxa. I'm wearing a Doxa. You're wearing a Doxa. Actually, you kind of uh, gave the listeners a spoiler alert because my first pick will be a Doxa. But before we talk about Doxa, guess what? We're going to talk a bit more about Doxa. Yeah. And this was not not in the plans for us, right? We're recording this on a, what is this, a Thursday? And yesterday morning, I woke up and I had an email in my inbox from a company called Synchron. Mm-hmm. I think you had the same email. I did. Um, for those of you who don't know, Synchron at one point owned Doxa. And of course, there is pre Synchron era doxas, the vintage that Mike just talked about that he wears is a is a pre-synchron era doxa, and then there's the synchron era where you can see the on the back, uh, the outside of the case back there's a doxa logo and the synchron era there's a synchron logo, which is a company that owns doxa, and so nowadays synchron and doxa are two separate companies, and synchron just released a very special watch. Uh, you want to fill us in, Mike, on that one? Yeah, and and so the watch is a is an homage to a a rare prototype called the uh, Doxa Army, which I, I guess presumably was intended to uh, issue to a military force. I, I don't know the, the. I think Swiss. Okay, so the Swiss military, and it has a wild black and white dial and some, you know, crazy orange hands that are not like the, um, what we're normally used to on a, on a Doxa sub. Um, although the case is a, uh, you know, your, your typical, um, you know, second generation Doxa sub case. So the thicker case, not, not the original, um, no T case. And, However, on this military piece, it uses a um, what, I, what I guess you would call like an acrylic inlaid bezel that's pretty similar to like an, an old um, Omega Seamaster 300, for example. True. So think yeah. kind of just basic black background with white numerals that are loomed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as Balash mentioned, so Synchron used to own Doxa and... Um, Interestingly enough, uh, Rick Murray, who I think we've mentioned on the show, he's he's a person who has um, ownership, I believe, of uh, Tropic, Straps, Isofrain, Aquadive, and he's been heavily involved with, he's basically behind the Aquastar Deepstar uh, that was released um, last year. And Prior to that, Rick was with Doxa. So most of these retro-inspired pieces from Doxa over the last 20 years, so like the piece on Balash's wrist, were, you know, as a result of, largely as a result of of Rick being there. So he has a real passion for for vintage divers. And he owns the Synchron name as well. And yeah, it it kind of was a was a real surprise yesterday when I received this message and there it was. Um, Rick had had in secrecy been working on um, this homage to the Doxa Army and it's it's basically called the Synchron Military. And these watches, the the those that are apparently legitimate from Doxa had like a PVD type coating, so they were black coated. But some of the one some of the ones you see out there you know, the case has, the coating is completely worn off and it looks like a stainless case. So 
they have decided to, Synchron has decided to come out with two models, one black coated and one stainless steel, um, 250 of each. And, you know, with an EDA 2824 and what I would call a very faithful looking homage to this DOXA army. And so before we move on, any, anything to add there, Balash? Um, well, we should mention that DOXA was, um, we don't know what they are doing or working on right now, but just a few hours after that came out, they posted on their Instagram a picture of what seems to be a vintage DOXA uh, with the PV decoded case. So the actual original watch with the DOXA logo on it and the Army logo, not the Synchron logo. Um, and they just just said the DOXA Army is getting back. Stay tuned as of now. Please find original picture of the several executions back in the beginning of the 70s. Only the original deserves your trust. And just 42 minutes ago, they released another macro shot of a very, very similar watch with very, very similar dial design and hands that says Docs Automatic Army. So we don't know what's going to happen. So there'll be there'll be two of these types of watches out there. And and by the way, you know, us talking about this subject, this is somewhat uh, this is kind of deep into watch nerdery here. But you know, it, it, bottom line is, I mean, you have Synchron who came out with this watch, which by the way, I think is nine hundred and ninety dollars as an introductory price and. Yeah, $300 more as a regular price. But frankly, the stainless case is already sold out. And I guess the black coated one will soon. So for all, for, mm-hmm. for, for all intents and purposes, let's call it a $1,000 watch. And we were, we were talking about what Doxa will do in return, you know, will likely be based on their 300T case, which is, you know, the, the thicker case that's more like the 70s uh, Synchron era Doxa. And, you know, those retail in Europe, at least for about 1900 euros, and I think they come with a helium valve. So they're, they're probably going to fire back with their version that's going to be quite a bit more expensive. Um, I'm, I'm quite, um, this is kind of, this is kind of fun, I have to say, because <laughs> it, it's different than like a normal homage because Synchron, at least the name has a bit of history here in terms of an attachment to Doxa. And then you have Rick who obviously was with them. So that this is, um, you know, kind of tasty, I would say. It's the, is it the first, uh, watch beef? <laughs> yeah. It's like a <laughs> East coast, West coast beef, right? <laughs> <laughs> the first watch beef. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very cool to see what what Doxa has in shop. Um but as of now the as Mike said the Synchron is out, the steel is already sold out. There are still some PVD case, well, according to the website, PVD case versions uh left. And uh hopefully we can report in the new Doxa soon, maybe in another part, not next podcast. But um uh yeah, let's move on as you said uh to the main topic. Absolutely. So moving on to, to our favorite uh, vintage pieces. So Balash, um, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so initially you told me to pick three watches. And instead of picking three vintage divers that I own, I thought it would be fun to pick one that I own, one that I want, and one that I think it's 
although it's a vintage piece, it's still pretty much readily available. And so the one that I own, and as I said, I, I promise this was this was a coincidence, is a Doxa Sub 300T, so the the thicker case version, but still pre-Synchron era, uh, Shark Hunter Aqualung. So it's it has a black dial and then it has a white Aqualung logo on it. Um, and, you know, it's very hard as far as I know to date vintage Doxa divers. So I really don't know which year the, the, the watch came out exactly, but I would say around late 60s. I mean, uh, Andrea seems to be the guy that we mention every time we talk about vintage on this podcast, but I, I had, uh, you know, numerous discussions with him about the watch. And of course, he's like the the, the vintage Doxa diver um, expert, at least in, according to uh, my knowledge. Um, he said probably around the late sixties, but in any, in any case, it's a, it's the, it's the thicker watch. It has a flat crystal. Um, as I said, black dial, it's just the shark hunter version with the white, um, Aqualung logo, which is, I'm guessing quite rare these days. I found it probably for 2017. So four years ago with the original bracelet, but, um, you don't want to wear it because yeah, you, you might just, it just. Yeah, exactly. Very, very fragile. Um, and I love that watch. It's a tank. I, I used to travel with it quite a lot. I put it on a, a vintage uh, Tropic Strap, like uh, the one you're wearing your watch on. And it was, yeah, it was my my travel watch for a long time. And um, I'm not really sure about the prices these, day. I'm, these days. I'm guessing it's around 3,500-ish. Yeah, that's, that seems right. Yeah. Yeah. So when I bought it, it was it was a bit cheaper. But I think you have the same one, but without the Aqualung logo, right? Yeah, I do. And I think I bought it back when they were, I mean, you remember forever and a day, these um, Synchron Era subs were like $1,200, you know? They, oh, yeah. they, they were, oh, yeah. and, and they just weren't moving off of that. And um. I thought, okay, I'll get one. And I actually got it from, um, actually it was Andreas who helped me, but it was somebody in Israel <laughs> who, uh, who ended up sending it to me. And it's a great watch. Like, like you, it came on the bracelet, um, which is, um, completely extended. So I got some springs, uh, that Andreas sent me to fix it and I need to do that. Um, but it's a great watch. It, it's tall, but somehow wears really well. And it's just so unique with the bezel profile and everything from the side. It's, um, they're, they're really neat. Although, you know, what I was surprised about Balash is I guess the first generation that came out after the, you know, the no T thin case did have a screw down crown, but after that, they, they always had just a, a push pull crown, which is, Sort of strange on a dive watch, right? Yeah, so mine I think is a is a screw down crown actually. Oh, so so yours is probably a first uh, first generation one. Then does it have a? Yeah, I I, I don't know, but um, mine is not. So it um, always struck me as as funny that here's this legendary diver, and most of them don't have a screw down crown actually. Yeah, and there's there, at least at the time there were still too many of them on the market. I mean, you could find them on eBay, you could find them on, on sales corners everywhere you went. It was not a difficult watch to find. Maybe in good condition, very good condition, yes. 
but there were so many, you know, uh, sea ramblers, shark hunters, whatever you wanted. Maybe the yellow one was was a bit difficult to get. Yeah, but diving. All the other colors tough. were. Did, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but really nice watches and you know easy to service. Um, you know, not so easy to get parts all the time, like crystals and things like that. But you know, nice watches, really cool, and and definitely legendary. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. so what what is yours? What is yeah, your first pick? My first pick is is actually a Rolex, but uh, you mentioned the Submariner before, and I'm not going in that direction. Um, I, I have to say, you know, out of my collection, uh, the Rolexes that I do own, um, when I put on a dive watch from them, the one that really makes me smile and feel like I'm wearing something pretty unique is the Sea Dweller, and I'm. You know, I own a 1665 Great White, which is a matte-dialed version with um, an acrylic crystal. And they made these from roughly 77 to, I believe, 83 before they moved on to sapphire crystal pieces. So, you know, the double red sea dwellers that sell for, you know, well, whatever it is, 50000 on up, let's say, um, that were made from the late sixties till about, you know, 77. This is essentially the same watch, but just has an all white dial and, or an all white font dial. And I really like it because the sea dweller is different. Like I always resisted buying one because I just sort of felt like, eh, it's a submariner, uh, just with a couple little differences, but you know, in person, the case is noticeably thicker. The case back is different. Um, the bezel itself is quite a bit taller, so you can really like grab onto it. And those things make it different. It does have the little helium valve, which is far less noticeable than on modern watches. Um, but what I, you know, what I really like it is uh, about it is that you know they didn't make these for a long time, and it is a proper. Like, you know, this watch was really made for a purpose and, you know, just turning it over the inscribed case back is something very unique for a Rolex because normally there's nothing on the back and it's just a special watch, you know, it was really made for, for something, even though I'm sure probably after this generation, you know, I know plenty of people own sea dwellers and they just bought it because maybe that's what they had there or it was a more expensive Submariner and they thought it was better. I, I, I don't know, but just a, just a really cool watch. And I think up until very recently, these pieces have been, dare I say, a little bit underappreciated versus, you know, like a 5513 of the same era. Um, and to me, it's just so much more. So that that's, that's the watch. Um, it's not a bad pick. Yeah, and and I should give a couple tips on these. You know, um, they are big and clunky, so they get smacked into stuff, and therefore, you know, you do need to watch out for heavily polished ones. Um, certainly, the crystals when they get replaced, unfortunately, they're with um, crystals with edges, and they lose that beautiful, you know, big dome. But they're out there, and Highly worthwhile if you can find a nice one. And I see the prices are around sixteen. Yeah, up, six, right? sixteen. You're talking usually a pretty well polished piece. You're now probably up to twenty um, for for a decent one, and and mm. 
even more, unfortunately. So, you know, there was a, a really good period there where they were under the radar versus, yeah, the you know, subs from the same era. But that, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. If so. you can call vintage sports steel Rolex under the radar these yeah, days. Right. Those, yeah, right. Those days are over. Totally true. Those days are over. But I'd rather... No, it's, it's an awesome watch. I mean, I'd rather have one of these than a Hulk, to be honest with you. So True. No, and, uh, and uh, any day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's wonderful. You know, I, I love my GMT from the late sixties. I think it was a great era. Just think of the Speedmaster, think of Rolex and so many other brands. And, and, um, you know, these late sixties, early seventies, mid seventies watches, I think that's just, um, yeah, the, the renaissance of, of modern watchmaking as we know it, at least as far as I'm concerned. So I'm absolutely with you on that pick. Very, very cool watch. Thanks. So what do you got next? Yeah. Um, so the second one was uh, my, well, the watch that I would like to have. And this is a watch I think that you own. And this is uh, an Omega, an Omega Seamaster Ploprof 600. Oh, yeah. For the longest time, I wanted to have a Seamaster 300. Um, and then I realized mm, it's not that interesting it is an exciting watch but if i compare it to the plow prof the plow prof wins so i would love to own a plow prof uh, 600 um you know at some point i know that they are large they're odd looking to many um but they are the the, the quintessential tool watch um of that era like the you know the, the you can call the doxa uh, sub uh, uh, the quintessential tool watch or the or the Serena or whatever but to me when i think of a tool like an actual uh tool that that that's the pro prof and yeah something just just um i don't know just kind of moves me whenever i see a pro prof um, and I know it can be a landmine to, you know, to find one that's actually untouched and without any service parts or, well, but then I'm also with you when you said that a dive watch or a military watch can be a bit, you know, rough around the edges because who knows what happened to it? Who knows when that service bezel, um, was installed on the watch or when the hands were changed or whatever the case may be. Now I don't like a service part watch which is overpriced that's a different story but as far as the plow prof concerned i think the the more beat up the better um so yeah this is a, a very cool watch i love it uh i i spend a lot of time on uh, uh omegaploprof.com which is this collector's guide website uh, dedicated to the plow prof 600 um, with the stories with Comex and all the different dial variations, the bezels and the, the documents that came with the watch back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. I, I encourage you guys to visit the website. Um, yeah, that's my second pick. What do you, what do you as a Ploprof owner uh, have to say about that? Well, um, I totally agree with you. I think it is one of the most unique dive watches ever created. There are zero... Um, yeah, compromises to looks on that watch. It is pure function. And and, and yet it is, I think, one of the, a, a very cool piece of industrial design. And 
you know, you, I, I bought mine, I want to say it was, boy, four or five years ago. And it was, I think it was around 3,500 euros, which is crazy. Um, they, they, I guess they've gone up a bit, but they're still not, um, they're still not nuts. And the one I have is definitely a very, you call it rough around the edges, uh, piece, but it's, it's got the right kind of patina for me. And I bought it on the bracelet, uh, not the mesh and it, doesn't the mesh won't or the bracelet won't fit me. I can't shorten it um, enough. So you actually helped me get a 24 millimeter wide Tropic with an Omega buckle, ah, which is just awesome. True. I mean, it, it, it like totally fits the watch and, true. and really makes, um, makes it into a great watch. So yeah, I appreciate that. And it is, it's, it's strange. So everybody knows about my, ridiculously small wrist, but the plow prof fits me. Um, it is not, it has no lugs whatsoever and it is not a tall watch in that regard. So as weird as it is, it's actually truly comfortable. So I think it's awesome. It's a great piece of history. And I would tell anyone, you know, if you can pull it off and you like the way it looks, I mean, it's not an everyday watch, but if you're looking for a great vintage piece for five to six K hard to go wrong there. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a 24 millimeter Tropic since then. That was I, I, at one point I was all over eBay for these straps. And, and indeed I, I bought actually a, um, a, a bundle of vintage straps and that was in it. And I have not seen another 24 millimeter Tropic. I think it's pretty rare, but um, I'm just checking the prices on Chrono 24 and the cheapest you have is 6,000 and up. I just think that people want to ask ridiculous money for it. I'm not sure if they're getting that. I think there's a, there's a fair bit of space between what they're asking and what you can actually pay for it. Pretty much, you know, this reminds me of the, the 125, the Speedmaster 125. They ask five, Big six, money. seven K yeah. for it, but they're never going to get that. Yeah. So, uh, that's my, that's my second pick. What, and I mean, you know, I would love to see yours. I hope we can meet uh, sometime soon. I don't know when, but I, I really, this is, we talked about the galets and the Excelsior parks and, you know, in the, in the chronograph uh, episode. And, and I told you that I want to check those out, but I also want to see the plow prof because it's, it's really, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, just, uh, I see it and I want to get one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll look forward to showing it to you because it's, um, it's a watch I should wear more and now I will. Um, so yeah, so my second piece is um, going to be from another smaller, older brand here. Uh, this is the Enicar Sherpa Superdive. And nice. yeah, I don't own one of these, uh, but I've always wanted to. This is a 43 millimeter super compressor case, so a twin crown with the uh, cross-hatched uh, design on the ends of them. And, you know, there were a lot of brands... Uh, I say a lot, but several brands that use these large case super compressors, always a little bit different, you know, with different lugs and things. And, and this watch has the characteristic lugs of a, of an Enicar, like a Sherpa graph, uh, chrono, um, with these kind of deep chamfers and just a really robust design. Um, but what, what I really like about it 
compared to some of the other super compressors out there is just the the dial design. They use this black dial with this um, black rotating inner bezel and, you know, cool applied um, indices with these like weird like globs of, of loom um, either on the outside or inside of the indices. And I just think it's a fantastic looking watch. It, it really, um, to me as a classic and, you know, you see them, I guess, priced anywhere from 3,500 to 5,500. Um, they made some, I, I don't know if they're military or, or what the story was, but with kind of like a crown protector between the two, it's a different model, like an ops model, but I just prefer the basic super dive and, I think what what else is really cool here is that um yeah they they used if I'm not mistaken a movement that they helped develop on their own inside there um and maybe I'm wrong with 43 millimeters maybe it's 40 um I I have the a The watch is 40 40 yeah sorry there yeah. so um yeah I actually own a of a, a GMT type version of of that watch the the jet and it, it's the same basic watch in terms of the footprint um but yeah I'd, I'd really like one of these uh super super dives so that's my second one yeah just while you were talking i checked it uh, the caliber is the ar1145 um that's inside this watch and it is indeed 40 millimeters and uh yeah you know what i always loved compressor case watches but i i never loved any uh enough to, to pull one. the trigger yeah i don't know why i love those those ah oh, help me uh, what's the one with the 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 one with the the quartz oh the lip move the lips yeah yeah i love the, the lips but but i yeah. heard they're a landmine to service and and um you know, I, I never pulled pulled the trigger. Our, our friend um, um, Ivan or Ivan from Serbia, from uh, two stitch straps, he has one, and I told him before he bought, like, be careful because as far as I know, it's it's really difficult to service it. But he got one, the lip, I mean, and he loves the piece. But that that that's something that I maybe want to buy one day because they're pretty cheap. Good but this is too. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But this one too. I mean, this the the, the super dive. I'm looking at the ref one four four dash thirty two dash o two with the huge internal bezel, the big crowns, as you said. It's a very very nice piece. Forty millimeters, pretty contemporary for a watch that's coming from the mid sixties, right? Mm -hmm. Wonderful piece. And yeah, the whole super compressor thing is is basically it has a, a bayonet style case back, so you don't unscrew it. You kind of turn it and then pull it out, and I guess as uh, depth increased, you know, the whole watch just sort of locked down. And I, I own so, like I said, I have the the same watch basically, but with a, a called a, a GMT type hand, and then I've got that Hamilton six hundred uh, Caribbean the the, the smaller mm -hmm. uh, super compressor. I don't own any other um, super compressor divers, although, you know, there's some beautiful ones out there like Longine and I want to say Bulova and some others have some pretty epic ones, Molko, uh, but mm -hmm. they're expensive. And I'm, I'm like you, I, I like them, but for some reason my money always goes towards something else. So 
but yeah it's funny you should mention bulova because that's my Ooh. third pick yeah so the doxa was the one i owned the aqua uh, i mean the the doxa aqualung sorry the ploprof was the one i want and then there's the one that i think i should get again you i know you have one mike i had the re-edition i reviewed the re-edition and i think it's correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's one of the the craziest vintage diver sleepers out there and that's the bulova oceanographer 666 yeah which is yeah yeah tell me i mean yeah you you own one yeah it's um so it's got, you know, a C case, so it's firmly in the 70s, although I think the really early 70s. And it's got these, like, <laughs> it's almost like little um, pieces of, of plexiglass or lucite as the, um, as the indices. They're, like, super 3D on the dial, and it's, it's black and red, the whole thing. It's, the colors are amazing. The, the indices are just awesome and I, i'm totally with you this is seriously one of the coolest watches um from the time and they're still inexpensive aren't they oh yeah i mean i love this these pearl indexes as you said i guess uh, um yeah a beaten up piece is around three to four hundred dollars if you want a nice one especially with the bracelet it's probably now around a thousand. And a few years ago, um, a re-edition came out, as I said, which I reviewed for Tello. So you have a lot of those because they are really cheap. It's like, a, I think, a sub $400 watch or euro, uh, the, the re-edition. And that's, a, you know, that new Bulova is just really for $400 or euros. I mean, that was an amazing watch. And they also come in a bunch of colors, but I had the the original one, as you said, the red and black. I think it's, yeah, I think it's just a great piece. And I think it's something that people who enjoy divers and vintage divers should definitely think about or consider or, or you know, have a look at it. And of course, it's Swiss made, the vintage one, not the new one. Mm-hmm. But the vintage is, is Swiss made. Um, it's not small. I think that's the the only issue. Like a lot of people say, yeah, it's too big for my wrist. But that's the new one is big, right? The the old one is not large. Um, yeah, the old the new one, one is, is like forty two, I think. I'm trying to think what the old the old one has got to be like thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So no, I I I love the new one, but I would love to get uh, the old one, and I think that this is a uh, this is something that. Everybody should consider if you love sea case dive watches from the seventies. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, for example, there's a lot of Doxa in that case. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, just looking at it, you've you've got like a, you know, the Bulova is applied. You know, it, it's got a lot of classy, really well made touches, and it's sort of like one of these. You know, we always talk about how you've got. Um, brands that maybe you skip past a lot because you don't think that they really made anything that's up your alley a lot of like boring dress watches or something from the period but here was Bulova that made a lot of boring dress watches but they made really this really really cool piece and yeah just I I this is another one I I need to wear more I think I need to get it serviced because the uh the movement has um 
yeah, it's losing a ton of time, but it, it's a really good looking piece. So, all right. I looked, um, it's a 41 millimeter watch with a length of 43. So it's quite, um, it's quite wearable. So I think the bit, the new ones are a little bit larger than that. If I'm not mistaken, they're like 43 or something. Yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably around it. But I have a bigger wrist, so it was okay for me. And it's, it's, you know, it's proportioned, so you don't really feel that it's a, it's, a, it's a huge watch. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I love the new one. I love the vintage one. Yeah, I just wanted to share the love for the Bulova six six six, the Devil Diver, as they call it. Yeah, it's a really good call. Um, and and like you said, if you can pull off the modern ones, they're really faithful. Uh, Otherwise, just size-wise, a little larger. Um, mm. And a cool. ton of colors. They, they come in blue, come in green, whatever Orange. you want. Orange, so. yeah. Neat Orange, stuff. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your last one? Um, so my last one is a bit of a um, – is also uh, an affordable one and an approachable one, although they're certainly not out there like they were. And and this is a smaller watch, I must say. Um so the original Zodiac Seawolf uh, is is a watch that I think deserves a little bit more credit out there. This was a, a really early 60s diver that uh, I, I think probably found its way onto a lot of wrists, especially in America. And these are really nice looking watches. Uh, they're, they're small. So I think they're on like the 35 millimeter side uh, size and... They come, they originally came on bracelets typically, but most of those bracelets, of course, are gone. They usually came in either a black dial or a white dial, um, date or no date. Um, and I think um, a friend uh, who writes from time to time on Worn and Wound, um, Stoff O'Neill, he's, he's a vintage diver on Instagram. He wrote uh, a really nice article on worn and wound some years back that I still refer to sometimes when I'm looking at these online and you know, these are like doxes in the sense that many of you find, or many of them you find have been through it. You know, they're well-worn. The, the bezels are, um, in the early models are metal and oftentimes they're worn down to like the brass. So the, the coating Mm. came off. Um, but they've got these really big, cool triangular numerals. Um, I tend to like the no date version. I mean, I typically do, but you hear sometimes that the date version, I think has a little bit of a mechanical weakness there that can be really tough to repair. So, you know, these, I think I paid for the one I have, I think I paid like $150 for it, like six, seven years ago, which is, you know, bad pictures on eBay, that type of thing. And it's a really nice watch. Um, but you can find these for, you know, call it five, 600 bucks up to 1500, just depending upon the, the condition, you know, sometimes I guess the white dial versions go for more. Um, certainly the no dates go for more. And then you have several generations that, um, you can find some websites out there that detail those, but, you know, go, go looking at old Zodiac sea wolves, go look for old ads. And they're kind of like, you know, they remind you of, um, I don't know. There were like some 1960 shows about diving and, um, 
you know, crime under underwater. And like, you could, you could just picture somebody like in an old wetsuit with a knife, like squaring off against a tiger shark wearing one of these, you know? So it's just that, that kind of, um, that, that kind of thing comes to mind. Um, but yeah, smaller, like I said, but a really credible watch. So yeah. Yeah. It's a nice piece. I'm looking at the, the vintage ads and you said, and they actually have a seawolf, uh, a black wolf wearing wearing white swim trunks, and that's the 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 the, ma- the logo, the mascot of the sea wolf in one of these early ads. It's super funny. Imagine if if this logo made a comeback, or or they they made these t shirts with the sea wolf uh, text and this this uh, black wolf with a white swim trunks. <laughs> very cool piece. A very cool t shirts would be. Yeah, and we and, and we should bring up the fact that you know Zodiac is very much alive and well. I think they're owned by Fossil, and they make some really cool retro pieces. I don't recall if they make this watch. I think they make a later version with like a with sort of a a remake of like an inlaid bezel. Yeah, yeah, the the seventies with the the more. Um... Uh, yeah, they they make one of those, and they make the Seawolf sixty eight, which has this um, huge case, you know, and the funky orange hand, mm-hmm. uh, minute hand, and that's uh, let me check a thousand three hundred and nineteen um, euros. Actually, okay. uh, it's the Zodiac, uh, yeah, Super Seawolf. Sorry, sixty eight. Um, so they make a bunch of stuff uh, from from the, the Seawolf collection. Uh, but yeah, as Mike said, uh, very nice watches. The new ones I like, the old ones even better. So if you if you love vintage and you know, and of course if you know the movie Zodiac, that's I guess the story is connected to the brand. And <laughs> yeah. I've always loved that movie. I think it's a, it's a very cool movie. Yeah, it is cool, and and you're right. There is a tie in there, which is uh, yeah, just kind of kind of another feather in its cap or or maybe not but it's interesting well notoriety yeah, right I think it's, oh yeah oh yeah and no, absolutely i mean i mean i'm not really talking about the actual events i'm talking about the movie and i think the 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 case is still open but well let's not uh get into that <laughs> um but no that's a that's a that's a lovely pick i love that but it's just very small maybe it's too small for me yeah but could, could beautiful be pieces so yeah. so we had some other thoughts on some other pieces um you know, just to get into wh- whether it's a new watch with a vintage flair or some other ideas on uh, on some vintage pieces. So, so Balash, um, maybe on some modern modern ones. I think you've got some ideas here. Yeah, like I was thinking. Um, other than these three, which are the you know the ones that we could suggest for for the listeners who might not want to get into vintage but they want to feel this, you know, neo-vintage feel. And one watch I talk a lot about, that we just had the live yesterday with Rob, and I mentioned it, and I think in the previous live as well, It's that's the Certina DS PH200M. Mm-hmm. Um, the original one was an amazing watch. It's very hard to find. Um, vintage dive fans, you know, know this model through and through. And a few years ago, Certina released a re-edition of it which is a very, very faithful re-edition to, to the vintage counterpart. And then t- last year, was it? Or two years uh, ago? I think it was last year. Last year, right. They created the Sartina DSPH200M um, blue and black, which are modern interpretations of 
the re-edition or of the vintage model, whichever you fancy. Um, and they are sub thousand euro Swiss made mechanical watches from Sertina with a ton of vintage flair. And I think if you fancy that, if you like the look, but you want to go for something new with a warranty and the new movement and new materials, especially the DSPH200M Blue, which has a beautiful ceramic bezel, blue ceramic bezel with uh, gold uh, um, numerals. I think this is this is something to consider. I think they're fantastic looking. I mean, this is another one. Yeah, thank you, Corona. I've not seen one in person yet. Um <laughs> But, you know, the first, like you said, that first DS they came out with, I guess we saw that at Basel, right? A few years ago. Yes. Like the, the last, last, yes, the last yeah. Basel. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, like the same case? But this one is, I mean, the new one is um, very, very close in looks to the original. Okay. And it came in, you know, remember this diver, uh, this uh, Pelican case style box with, I think, two straps. So it was, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, a, a great, great re-edition. And um, if I'm just checking the prices now, 750 on a Milanese bracelet. That's, yeah, hard to. It's pretty uh, hard. Pretty hard, hard to, to beat, beat, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Certina has been hitting it out of the park, I think, in this DS collection, whether it's the 500 or this one. Um, they've got some really nice choices. Uh, and... yeah. Yeah, so so another um, another brand that I think uh, we used to see in Basel a bit, and and I think we yeah we we should probably ask for a couple of pieces to look at, but I I think um, Squale is one of those mm-hmm. brands that um, you know doesn't they're known by by dive watch fans because they were quite influential back in the day. They made um, they made cases for a lot of other companies. Um, and you know, that you, you saw their name on a lot of other branded watches, but they, they're still making, um, pieces today. And I think that, um, yeah, they, they're, they, they've got, you know, the, um, the Squalomatic, uh, which is a really nice piece. I think they, they're about 1,200 euros or you know, somewhere around there, 1,200 Swiss francs, so so somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. they, they've got all the hallmarks of the vintage squales, which are, you know, uh, kind of this angular case. Um, the color blue usually features strongly or some really neat colors, and they've got a crown sitting at 4 o'clock um, with that neat squale shark logo on the dial. Um, yeah, these are, these are nice watches and they don't look that different from the originals, but yet they're not really, doesn't feel like to me, they're trying too hard. They just sort of kind of have always looked like that. And I know when you and I would visit them at Basel, we always had a lot of fun trying to, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember we just walked in and they had nothing to do and they they set us down they they brought out those cases full of watches i think you ended up buying one in the end um yep. so a yeah, lovely lovely people um great watches you know a ton of history with connected to the brand with squale so uh, i think again 
we talked about vintage dive fans. I think if you if you're a vintage dive fan, you know about Squally. There's nothing we can say that you don't know. But if you're new to the hobby or you're you're just interested in in maybe brands that, that are not on your radar, like an Omega or a or a Rolex sub, then this is a brand definitely uh, to consider. Check it out. Perhaps even the vintage pieces. If you're yeah, into that. yeah, yeah. I'm just looking here. The the other really, uh, let's say heritage looking piece is the 1521 and that one's a 42 millimeter piece it uses an eta 2824 it's yeah 900 odd swiss francs so you know you find one of these new or used that's a great deal uh great looking watch really good great absolutely Absolutely. what else what else you got balash so just real quick, because we're kind of running out of time, I also thought of the Rado Captain Cook, which is, again, not a new watch. I mean, it's been out for four years now, I think. You wrote a, a, a very cool article on the vintage piece, uh, a, a TBT article on the Rado Captain Cook, which I think the vintage is around 36, right? So it's a smaller... Yeah, uh, 35, 36, five. yeah. Right. And when you look at the new ones... Um, and, and by the way, the vintage is pretty hard to get, so you don't really, um, see them everywhere and especially not in good condition, but the new ones, uh, there are plenty of, of colors to choose from. Uh, you can get it in a NATO strap, you can get a leather strap, you can get it on uh, a beads of rice bracelet or a, a modern bracelet. Again, uh, a bronze case, steel case, blue, green, whatever you want. And I think the most expensive um versions are 2600 euros but if you go for uh something that's similar in size like 37 uh, so similar in size to the vintage version that's around 1800 euros yeah, on great, a leather great strap great watch great watch by the yeah. way yeah so you i think you had i mean you have the vintage but i think you also had the new one right Re- you when you reviewed <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. when you wrote about it. I did. And really great. And, you know, the ones I looked at, I think I looked at the first limited edition. They've since come out with some different colors and I think like a non-limited version, but it came in a really nice package with a bracelet, a strap, and yeah, really well done uh, reissue of the original, but just upsized enough to, to yeah, not, not be too small. Um, and it has that, like you say that that really cool, you know, stadium bezel or that concave bezel that you know, mm-hmm. we also see like on the Breitling Super Ocean Heritage Fifty Seven, and that was very much of the time for a few years there in the late fifties, early sixties, and yeah, unique piece. And this one you truly could wear every single day with anything. Right, and it has the I think the Powermatic Eighty movement. Yep. With uh, with eighty hours of power reserve, which is uh, well one of the top movements by by uh, um, Swatch Group. Um, Swatch Group, exactly. Thank you, Swatch Group these days. So you can find them on in, in Tissots and, and Certinas and Rados and and uh, all these models. And I uh, actually the the Certina DS PH two hundred M. Also has that that powermatic eighty movement. So I mean, eighty hours of power reserve uh, on a new piece, mechanical Swiss made watch with a with a ton of new vintage uh, design and feel. Yeah, you can do much worse than that. 
Absolutely. So um, we're going to close out with one more recommendation, and it's amazing. We've gone for an hour here, and it's taken an hour to get to a brand that probably people would have thought we would have mentioned earlier, and that's uh, Seiko. Uh, Yes. And my recommendation is probably not an original one, but it's one that maybe people don't talk about that much anymore because the brand has so many different dive models, and that is the good old-fashioned turtle. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to beat this watch. Um, you know, the vintage ones are great. Uh, they've gone up in price. They're also really hard to buy. There's a lot of fake parts on these things. And the other thing I always tell people with the vintage 6309 turtle is that, you know, the crown, if it strips, you have a paperweight. You cannot fix them because the crown tube is basically integrated into the case. So there's no replacing it. Um, so, mm. you know, what I would tell people since we're, we're talking about new watches is, you know, really aside from that prospects X on the dial, there's not much difference between the new and the old one. And I'm looking here in the all black model, the SRPE 93 K one. I mean, I'm looking at a kind of like a, you know, a jeweler online here, it's between 350 and 400 euros. You know, they've, they've come out with these new call it King turtles with, uh, sapphire crystals and stuff like that. But for me, just the basic black turtle, I mean, fine Navy blue or a Pepsi version they've got, I don't care, you know, whatever you like, but for call it under 400 euros or 400 bucks, um, you know, this is, it's a steal, you know, this is a classic design. It looks great. It's a bigger watch, but also again, doesn't have huge lugs. So it'll fit anybody's wrist. And whether you like it on bracelet, which I'd say it's not bad on this model or the awesome silicone strap, you can't go wrong with this. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, the turtle is a, is a classic. Uh, Maybe we should have started the podcast with the cycle but i mean funnily enough that's also a sea case just like uh the doxa and the pullover um but with the crown moved from the three o'clock position down a bit i i guess yeah i mean it's it really is an iconic piece um it, it's built like a tank it's probably the most affordable of all the watches we talked about today right yeah definitely yeah. Yeah, so. def- definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect choice. Yeah. So, well, look, um, we hope you enjoyed talking about uh, or hearing us talk about vintage divers today. This is a, a subject we could probably go on and on about, and we didn't touch all the, the, like we said, all the novel attempts at providing divers information back in the 60s on their wrist, which seem a little bit laughable now um, to think that they were looking at at these crazy little meters on their, on their watches at depth. But, you know, it was a, it was a unique time. And thankfully because of that, we got some really cool designs from back in the day that are, I guess, largely still here with us today. Yeah. And you know what, while you were talking, um, I was just, uh, I mean, earlier I was just Googling uh, vintage dive ads and well, you kind of mentioned that when you talked about the Zodiac, if you think that 
vintage divers came in all shapes and sizes and colors and they were fun. Boy, you've not seen vintage dive watch ads. Just Google them. I mean, whatever you can imagine, all kinds of of funny, serious pictures, photos, drawings. It's it's really amazing. Amazing how how brands all the way from probably the, the late 40s, 50s, uh, 60s, definitely 70s, tried to market these watches on, on well, the, well, on the one case, on the one hand, the brands are interesting, but on the other hand, the markets, you know, how they market in the US, how they try to market it in Europe. Uh, you can see the French ads, you can see the, the English ads, just really amazing. I mean, uh, I, get, I, I guess, you know, you think this was a period like during... Um you know, space exploration, right? And and this For was sure. kind of the more the more attainable strange exploration that was going on at the time, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh you know, recreational diving was the new hobby, right, of the fifties. Um after the war ended and well well after the war ended and and life started to get back to normal and people started to have money and enjoy life and, and scuba diving was was something new and something out there. And so obviously the brands kind of jumped on this bandwagon and, and started to create watches um, more often than not based on their military um, research or knowledge for for um, everyday people. And but, but really, I mean, just vintage watch ads, uh, that's actually worth its own podcast episode because <laughs> they're just amazing. Not Not only divers, but... But I, I'm, I just see the, the Doxa, the vintage Doxa uh, ads, vintage Certina, the Bulova uh, uh, 666, crazy stuff. So, yeah, um, very cool topic. Uh, thanks for, uh, for bringing this up, Mike. I think it was your idea. Um, Absolutely. That no, was a lot of fun. And so with that, Balash, I guess we are out. And uh, we said maybe next time we bring back uh, Jorg. Papa J. So we'll see and uh, we'll figure out a topic. But as always, if you have thoughts about a show, you know, don't hesitate to contact us um, through Fratello and we'll happy, we'll be happy to take that into, uh, into account and, and try to answer. So mm-hmm. have a great rest of the week, Balash, and look forward to talking to you soon. Indeed. And with that, Kasra is out. Frankfurt departing 